Hello and welcome to our first episode. My name's Taylor Ray and this is On the Outside. Today, I'm bringing you an amazing conversation with Garcia, but before we get into that chat, I want to start out by thanking you for being here. It's our first episode, and this podcast has truly been such a passion project for me. Over the last few months, I have edited, produced, recorded, researched, and curated each of these episodes completely by myself, and I'm so proud of that. I really wanted to have a clear vision in the messages that I'm bringing to you and the information that I'm sharing with you, and it really comes from the bottom of my heart. I started this podcast and titled it On the Outside because for a lot of my life, I felt like I didn't quite fit in. Whether that was growing up and being ostracized and bullied, whether that was going to college and really feeling the effects of not growing up with the same socioeconomic background as a lot of my peers, whether that was deciding to go to grad school at 30 years old with a lot of my classmates being a lot younger. There are so many ways in which I felt like I didn't fit in. While some of them have been more quirky and fun, others have actually been really hurtful, really hard, really painful, and really challenging. While I've desperately wanted to be included so many times in my life, I know that being exactly who I am without compromise, without feeling like I need to change myself to be more of what other people might accept has made me prouder, more grounded, more centered, and honestly more able to bring these conversations to you. I hope that On the Outside becomes that weekly place where you go to feel more connected, but also to learn more about people that you might think you have nothing in common with. I talk to so many incredible people from so many different backgrounds, people with chronic illness, people that talk about their race, their gender, their sexuality, people that share what it's like living with a disability or struggling with mental illness, people that have experienced disordered eating, people that have had so many different experiences in their life that while they have been challenging, they have shaped them into who they are today. While not all forms of oppression are equal and while we all hurt in different ways, we all still hurt. For season one, I'm bringing you a conversation with someone from a various background with a individual and unique story on Mondays. That's this episode. On Wednesdays, we have what I'm calling family chats, an opportunity for you to feel like you're sitting at the kitchen table with me and someone that I love for a heart-to-heart conversation around a tough topic. And on Fridays, you get a solo episode with your girl. We're talking about so many different things this season, and those are short, sweet bonus episodes. Today, we're about to dive in to the first full-length episode, and I think I'm ready. Let's go for it. In today's episode, I talk to Garcia. Garcia is a Chicago native seen on Netflix Tales of the City playing the role of Jake Rodriguez, a trans man. Garcia identifies as trans, non-binary, gender non-conforming, but with a desire to not have to label themselves at all, while simultaneously seeing the value of those labels. 
Garcia was nominated for a Lucille Lotel Award for Outstanding Featured Actor in a Play for their off-Broadway role in continuity. From working on a farm as a leader and teacher in support of youth in California to teaching English in Spain, Garcia has always found a way to contribute to their community. Currently, they're back in Chicago working as a teacher. In our conversation, I talk about Garcia's transition, receiving gender-affirming care, their choice to change their name and what being a trans person means to them. Knowing Garcia for almost 10 years now, I share how conversations with them around queerness has impacted me. We discuss their experience playing a trans man on Netflix, what it's like being an educator today, and so much more. According to the Netflix documentary Disclosure, which Garcia makes a cameo in, 80% of the population never meet a trans person. That means most people are getting their information about and impressions of the trans community through media depictions that are often problematic. We started out by hearing about a time when Garcia felt like they were an outsider. <laughs> I think something I've been thinking about recently, again, with the trying to figure out what do exactly do I want to talk about in terms of feeling like an outsider. Mm is pretty recent and not recent. I think I'm going to go on a tangent. I promise I'll get there. Okay. I had Friendsgiving the other day, which also is just like not celebrating Thanksgiving, but just like acknowledging my friends <laughs> and their ability to give. Um, And they're all friends that I've had since elementary school. One of them I've known since kindergarten. Another I've known, which I think is like my longest friend actively. And the other ones I've known since like fifth, sixth, no, fourth, fifth grade, whatever. They're friends from elementary school, which being back in Chicago, uh, which is, this is my first year-ish being back um, since leaving for college in like 2017. This is the longest I've been home since. All of this is relevant, I promise. My elementary school is down the street and a lot of us still live in the neighborhood. And um, it's, just, it's just really interesting to to revisit a place that is so much of who I am and who, who has made me so much of who I am. And that is both a blessing and a wonderful curse. Um, anyway, so I'm still lucky to like actively see these people in my life and be around them, um, but they are my straight friends. <laughs> And I am at dinner, some, I forget how it comes up, but I was like, well, how, how many gay friends do you have? And my friend was, I'm not going to name anybody because I don't, <laughs> but one of those like you, they pointed at me and I was like, that's a problem. <laughs> like that's, and my friend across the table was like, I have two. And I was like, the fact that you can count is my point. Like, this is not, um, because, oh, because like energy had come out and the, and like having to use an energy or a certain amount of energy when I'm around them. And then they immediately, like, everyone kind of got a face. and like, what, you don't fuck with us then? And I was like, no, 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 like that. <laughs> and, like, this is just a difference. And this is, like, I'm actively always, again, on the outside of them and this, but also on the inside. So it's weird. So maybe I'm, like, existing always on, like, if I'm looking, if we're thinking about a circle, I'm always on the rim of that circle. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and just explaining to them again we have a different language even me using words like oh it's the energy that it's required to be around y'all like you know they still misgender the fuck out of me and and they're like i'm sorry i'm like no it's fine like i'm not 
mad. Like I'm not, it's just then that requires an energy of me. And then it was kind of hard to, so this is all happening in English. And one of my friends is married to a, a man who very much understand anyway his his first language is spanish he's so we're like translating back and forth and she's trying to explain to him what i'm trying to explain to the group and then we both caught it in the middle and we were like yo oh perfect example we're like the language like language right now and i was telling him in spanish i was like right now right it requires a certain energy of you to be around people who don't speak whose whose native tongue is in Spanish. So like that requires, and that's exhausting, whether we're conscious or subconscious of that. You right now are on the outside of this. And I say all that because not only am I, again, on the circumference of this uh, friend group, but also this neighborhood and the people I've grown up around, um, in and out of, and it's a trip, but I think a, so not only is it queerness, but I also think hand in hand, what comes with that, uh, which I think is also, and I don't know if this is going to sound, pre- I don't know. No, it's not pretentious because we can get into it, but also healing. And I think that like the universe or energies or whatever you want to believe in that exists, that is intangible between people is, I think we can tell where, if and where people are in their healing let's get into our conversation i read this passage the other day can i actually read it the new saints from broken hearts to spiritual warriors i ordered it because i was like just this little excerpt alone I i must have anyway so it says all this reminds me of how lonely i have been all my life i have dwelled so deeply inside of myself and developed such a decadent spiritual life that most people can't begin to relate to me And because of this decadence, I have developed the capacity to see and experience the complexity of people as well as the world we have created. My loneliness stems from not being able to articulate everything I experience to others because they have not developed the same capacity to understand this complexity. So often I choose to keep these experiences to myself and pretend the world is as simple as people think it is. And I read that, and I'm like, bitch, I am so lonely, (laughs) but also not. (laughs) Well, my name is Garcia. Everyone knows me as Garcia. I'm going to just throw, yeah, um, but if you know me well, and if you love me, you call me honey, and I'm trying to learn how to incorporate that into either in or on the circumference of circles. (laughs) I do want to talk more about your name. Do you want to talk about that now, or do you want to talk about it more later? Mm, As it comes up, yeah, both. I mean, that's, I think, a little bite. Uh, Born and raised in Chicago, mainly on the south, southwest side. Um, I actually am currently residing in um, an apartment building that I used to live in when I was two, yo, which is crazy. And probably one of the very few families in this neighborhood that own the building that they live in. I don't own the building. Someone else in my family does, but I get to live here and I'm very grateful. Uh, but yeah, I grew, I grew up in and out of this neighborhood, Brighton Park. <clears throat> and um, 
I'm waiting for that gentrification to hit with dread. I don't want it, but it's coming. It's coming. Anyway, uh, I, yeah, I, sure. I mean, we the strike just ended. Uh, <laughs> am I an actor? I be acting all the time. I'm an artist of multiple mediums. I'm a master of literally nothing. Uh, also an educator right now. Um, teaching. Yeah, I feel like I've always been an educator, though. I love working with youth. I think that's one of the reasons that I'm where I am today is because I've had a few people in my life that just turned to me and were like, hey, I believe in you. You can do this. And I think all I've wanted to do since then is be the same for other people. Um, trying to figure out what specifically that looks like, whether it's in or outside of a traditional classroom. Uh, before this, I was living out in Madrid, Spain, which was a pretty big flex just for myself, honestly. Uh, <laughs> I went out there to teach English. That was the only way I could like travel and work. Um, and yeah, uh, I love the show. Where were you before Spain? I was in Mendocino County, Northern California, in a tiny, tiny little town called Philo, California, with 349 people uh, on top of a hill on a farm. It was a camp farm because uh, <laughs> after college, I was like, I don't know what the hell to do, but I want to do whatever I want to do. And so I literally got on Google and I was like, cool outdoor jobs in California. And then I found this job. Uh, I had no idea actually what I was getting into. Um, I thought I was just going to go work on a farm that was a camp or for funsies. And it ended up being this wild ass, really cool um, program. I'm not going to drop name because I have mixed feelings, but uh, <laughs> it is... The, the cool part about it is that we were working with youth between the ages of the ages of 13 and 18, and they were there um, for 11 day sessions and whatever. They had like a workbook and an essay and we would do camp farm activities with them. And essentially they were, this was all going towards school credit for them to complete their GED because they were going to alternative high school. And I don't know about you, but I always had a misconception growing up about alternative high school students. I thought it was just like where all the bad kids go. I had no idea that it was just for students that have untraditional lives. Like maybe they're working 40 hours a week. Maybe they're supporting people, their family, kids that aren't theirs, kids that are, you know, um, things like that. So it was really interesting. And I had no idea that I was going to be working with these type of students specifically because we would get them from all over the state. Uh, and mainly it was like black and brown, low income students and that were getting these all expense paid trips. And I thought that was fucking awesome. Um, and I had no idea that one of the locations is literally right around the corner from me. It was this old post office and it's this school called Pathways that's an alternative high school. And that was really cool. And the cool part about it was like, yeah, we're doing camp activities, doing farm activities, but we also got to do social emotional activities with them and teaching them how to have a conversation, how to be vulnerable, how, like, what is conflict resolution? How do you say sorry um, to someone and, and things like that. So that was, that's, that's the shit I want to get into with youth specifically um, because that's kind of what theater did for me unknowingly. Can you drop the, the actor credits, your actor life? your <laughs> actor experience right right i was i am an actor yeah so before you are that, an actor yeah i am an actor yeah so before the before the farm then was going to nyu and before that wild trajectory like at the end of my freshman year i ended up booking tales of the city 
and that's kind of how my life came to be I think I don't know what it would have looked like what was the show I saw you in was it off Broadway it yeah was like winter. It was, yeah I was like it, yes, I was girl. like it was winter I was I'll like it was snowing wait what'd you get nominated for for Lucia Lortel for that Okay, Slay, I loved you in that. Thank you. I thoroughly enjoyed that. I killed it in the audition. I killed it in the show. I mean, I just was having fun. I didn't think I'd, I didn't even know people got nominated for stuff. <laughs> and they were like, I got a call from my, from a friend actually who just also, uh, he, oh, he had texted me uh, or they had texted me. I had this friend text me. They're like, oh my God, congratulations to us. We got nominated. I was like, what? this is during the pandemic. I'm like out on a walk. And they're like, we got nominated for Lucille. And I'm like, I don't know what that is. Like, and then, and then you're like, who's Lucille? Mind. You're like, who's, who's Lucille? Lucille? Right. I'm like, do I, do I know her? No, right. How does she know me? Um, and I was just really proud of myself. And that, and I don't know. I don't, there's not much I give myself praise for, but for that one, I'll, yeah, that one I will. And you and I met doing. Yes. Good Friday, the, baby. Good by Christiana Colon. Yes. Yes, we met doing Good Friday mm-hmm. in New York. You and you said when I first called you for this that it was like ten years ago, yeah, which I cannot believe. And while I've always known Garcia as Garcia, and professionally they are known by the name Garcia, they gave some more insight around the complex relationship they've had with their name over the years. So something that you mentioned, you said. My name's Garcia, or I go by Garcia. Honey, for those that know me and love me, one, I'm a little offended because I know you and love you and I call you Garcia, so (laughs) harmed by that. But I've always known you as Garcia. I have also known you as Josiah. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I have. But I, I, I feel like I've pretty much always called you Garcia but I've always checked in with you like there was a point that I was like oh do you want me to call you Josiah and you were like maybe and then you were like no never mind Uh, oh wow Um, like in the beginnings then yeah yeah no it was in the beginning it was in the beginning it was in preparing to chat with you I was like do you want me to call you honey should I call you honey what do you think and I know you're still figuring it out right yeah, I think so. I mean, because it's not a legal name and I don't have the patience to go through that again. I, and it's not all that serious. According to the U.S. Transgender Survey, the risk of violence is the most common reason why trans individuals may change their name. That survey, the largest ever conducted of transgender Americans, found that 32% of respondents who presented IDs at odds with their gender presentation were, quote, verbally harassed, denied benefits or services, asked to leave, or assaulted. Only 11% of respondents in that survey reported that all of their IDs had their name and the gender that they preferred. 68% reported that none of their IDs had the name and gender that they preferred. Can you talk about, because you just mentioned um, it's not a legal name and you don't have the patience to go through all of that. So can you talk about what it was like and what prompted you to change your name in the first place? Yeah, sure. Literally safety. Like I have no other reason for, I think at that time, because I did it when I was 21 or right before I was 21. I remember this. So it was right before I was 21. 
I couldn't even tell you the process. I completely forgot. But it was just like this organization that offered to kind of like work with you through the process, be with you there through core and take you down to like the DMV, get your license. Like they would just be, there was like a person that was assigned for this. It was really cool. Someone had put me onto this. So I was like, cool. And I went and I didn't have to pay, which was really nice. Um, yeah. And that just was like a whole blur. And, but I remember I just for the time, maybe because I was young, I have no, I don't want to, no, I don't want to toss it to age, but I wasn't thinking about it too much. I just was like, I need to change my name in terms of safety. So it just like kind of matches with what people are seeing. That's kind of what I was thinking at the time. Um, yeah, which sounds so really not what I stand by now, but, uh, I mean, safety is important, you know, like safety, safety is important. I definitely feel like, even if you don't feel like maybe your exact reasoning is like aligned with how you feel now, I think it's a very valid reason. Garcia goes on to share more about their dead. So I guess I was fine with my name and like nothing against it. All good. And that, or my dead name, I should say. Dead naming means referring to someone by a name that they do not want you to use. A trans person may decide to no longer use their birth or legal name and instead choose a name that better aligns with their identity. When someone uses their old name, especially after being asked not to, that is what we call dead name. I started transitioning. God, I don't remember how old I was. But basically, I just had this thought at one point being on T where I was like, well, I guess my name should match this person that people will start to visibly see. And I don't, because already, you know what? Because already, even with my prior name and the way I looked and the way I dressed, like I was always being confused for a boy anyway, even with my hair was long. Like I remember, because I'd always put it up in a ponytail and I was, ah, God, yeah. I remember just growing up being like chased down into bathrooms, people, people, people thinking that I was walking into the wrong one or that I was inside. So it was already, it's just my gender has always been misconstrued. And um, I wonder if subconsciously that played a part where I was like, I think I should also need to change my name soon, sooner rather than later, so it can start to match. And I really wasn't all that creative. I was just like, yeah, my last name, my other name has a J, so this should have a J too. And then I was like, hmm, what sounds different that we don't hear all the time? And then for some reason, my non-religious ass was like, let's pick a really biblical name, Josiah, baby. <laughs> like, <laughs> and, and honestly, haven't really met many Josiahs. I, I know, I don't even know any personally. I, but I have come across like a couple. So I'm not mad at what I picked, but it has never been me. I think it's just helped me and it looks it's palatable on a driver's license, palatable, you know, when I got to put my name on a wait list and they call it and I stand up like it's helpful. Um, or ha- Garcia mentioned their experience being on T or testosterone, prompting them to change their name. Masculinizing hormone therapy typically begins by taking testosterone. A low dose of T is prescribed and then the dose is slowly increased over time. Tea usually is given through a shot, also called an injection, or through a gel or patch applied to the skin. The tea that's used for masculinizing hormone therapy is identical to the hormone that the testicles and ovaries make naturally. I want to back up a second to um, when you started transitioning 
how do you define that for yourself? Do you define it as when you started on tea or do you define it as like just something that began before Mm. that? Oh, that is a really, come on question. Trans, often seen with an asterisk next to it, is an umbrella term for people whose gender identity and or expression is different from cultural expectations based on the sex they were assigned at birth. Being trans does not simply imply any specific sexual orientation. It also doesn't imply any specific gender-affirming care or gender expression. Therefore, transgender people may identify as straight, gay, lesbian, bisexual, etc. Well, in that case, I've always been transitioning, bitch. Like I came into the out the I came, I was a cell, I was a little spermy, and then ever since then I've just been transitioning and have never stopped. <laughs> Honestly. Because no, if you really that's true. Like if we eliminate hormones, I would still be transitioning into something, someone else. I don't know what that would look like or what that would be, but yeah, I, I've feel like I've just throughout life at least have always just been what is comfortable to me what feels good to me whether that be with my hair or my clothes or I don't know yeah the transition probably started way before but this like this concept of like being a boy and like or not being a girl whatever the fuck those things mean like that's that I don't think that was ever at play I just Again, like it was just like what I was physically comfortable in. And yeah, the hormones just, I don't know, that's kind of complicated actually though. Having known Garcia for many years since the first few months when they started tea and through their experience changing their name, I've learned so much about how they specifically view their experience with and relationship to their gender identity. But when I've talked to you about all of these things for the last, you know, however long since I've known you, I think the idea that, and I'm sure some people do experience transitioning like this, that it's like, I am this gender. I knew that I was supposed to be the other gender. And so I did these steps to bring myself closer to how I see myself or how I want the world to see me. And I went from this to this. I went male to female, female to male. And Mm. it being like more of a linear and less like gray. Mm. And I think the responses that you've always given me whenever Mm. we're talking about your gender or your name or your gender identity or how you view yourself has always lived in what I'll call gray just more of that space and even in like other interviews that I've read which Mm -hmm. I know you say you didn't love as much (laughs) as you love this one but (laughs) you've yeah you've talked about living in that gray and I guess I just want you to talk more about that yeah I think thank you I feel I feel seen in that moment with you thank you that's true um because i Yes, I feel like I get that every so often. Where it's like I, yes, I live in this gray area, or just it's not. Nothing is ever all the way one way on any sort of spectrum with me, and I kind of just want everyone else to be that way, bitch. Like, <laughs> no, no, but like, just like hold space for possibility, or just hold space for more, and not leave anything in or out. I don't know, but. 
yeah, and I I do very much feel that way, or it just it never. And that's why I think hormones even gets a little complicated. And we don't have to go all the way into this, but I just where I'm like, I don't know if I ever, if tea was really for me and I, you know, and, but I didn't, I, when I started doing it, I was, I, it's again, I, it wasn't, I wasn't around people or I didn't have the kind of thinking that I think would have been necessary. And that only just comes with, I don't want to, again, like, I don't think age has anything to do with it. It just has to do with resources and support. And if people have that at a really young age, wonderful. I didn't at what I think when did I start? I was like this was twenty I think I well if when we met, so what like twenty sixteen? Twenty so something like that, twenty seven no yeah, twenty seventeen, twenty sixteen, something like that. And and so yeah, even doing hormones, I was like, Well, this seems like an option. So and and I didn't really think about it and I went to the docs. Gender affirming care has been under attack in the United States for quite some time. As of November 2023, according to the Human Rights Campaign Foundation, over 35% of trans youth live in a state that's passed bans on gender-affirming care, led by national anti-LGBTQ groups. The legislators across the country have overridden the recommendations of the American medical establishment and introduced hundreds of bills that target trans and non-binary youth's access to age-appropriate, medically necessary care. At the height of the legislative session, more than half, 50.4%, of all trans youth were living in a state where gender-affirming care bans had been introduced. While youth are the focus of many of these attacks, states such as Oklahoma, Texas, South Carolina have considered banning care for trans people up to the age of 26 years old. Gender-affirming care, as defined by the World Health Organization, encompasses a range of social, psychological, behavioral, and medical interventions designed to support and affirm an individual's gender identity when it conflicts with the gender that they were assigned at birth. The interventions help transgender people align various aspects of their life with their gender identity. That identity can run anywhere along a continuum that includes man, woman, a combination of those, neither of those, and a fluidity. Those who seek gender-affirming care are often experiencing gender dysphoria, which the APA cites as psychological distress stemming from the incongruence between gender assignment and identity, which is defined as a clinical condition. Numerous studies have found that trans youth, especially those experiencing gender dysphoria, are significantly more likely than other youth to suffer emotional distress and depression, to experience bullying and other forms of violence, and to harm themselves or attempt suicide. The truth is that data from more than a dozen studies of more than 30,000 transgender and gender diverse young people consistently shows that access to gender affirming care is associated with better mental health outcomes and that the lack of access to such care is associated with higher rates of suicide, depression, and self-harming behavior. Major medical associations, including the AAP, the American Academy of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry, the Endocrine Society, the American Medical Association, the American Psychological Association, and the American Psychiatric Association have published policy statements and guidelines on how to provide age-appropriate 
gender-affirming care. All of those medical societies find such care to be evidenced-based and medically necessary. While this story is Garcia's alone, it's crucial that we understand each individual's experience with gender-affirming care is unique, as is all of our personal medical, social, and psychological decisions. There's so much of my own story that I'm not public with that I don't speak a lot about unless it is with people that I love and care for, like just trust all around because that can be so easily misconstrued. And my story is very, is mine. It's very, it's specific to me and only me. And that does not, this is not for any other trans person or non-binary person, gender non-conforming. Like it's, yeah. And so that is always kind of, nerve-wracking that I'm still deciding how much every day or just like publicly what to share what not to share because I know that that can potentially harm or be harmful for other when you just said now trans or non-binary or gender Mm non-confirming all of these different labels or identities or terms however we want to call them yeah how do you I don't. How do you view your what? <laughs> I, was like, I don't. I jumped you. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How do you view yourself? Do you feel like these labels are useful within and of yourself? Yeah. No. I every time. Yeah. I, I'm like asked this. I'm like, I don't. I don't want to. I only do it because people are brains. We need to make sense of things. So we need a word for it. And I'm just like, what if we just don't need a word for it? What if we just accept people as is and we wouldn't have to fucking point and name it? And that's what people want to do, which is why we have all this terminology. But so it is then therefore so it can be difficult to be like all inclusive, you know, like if we look at the acronyms, we go from LGBT and then we have LGBTQ plus and then LGBTQIA plus. Like it's just, and I understand why we do that and that is necessary. And I wish that it just inherently incorporated everyone. And then, you know, that these terms are so specific when really I'm like, what is all encompassing? And I think something we've come up with, we as in like, some, like not like not all people in the queer community, but like people use the word queer now. And it's not just like gay or lesbian or like it's bi or whatever. Like it's, queer we're all queer and that's kind of been the new default for me at least for some context these are some of the most common definitions for these terms trans seen with an asterisk originally used to include explicitly both transsexual and transgender people now usually it indicates the inclusion of gender identities such as gender fluid agender alongside transsexual and transgender Non-binary people feel their gender identity cannot be defined within the margins of gender binary. So instead, they understand their gender in a way that goes beyond simply man or woman. Gender nonconformity refers to the degree in which an individual's appearance, behavior, interests, and subjective self-concept deviate from conventional forms of masculinity and femininity. While some absolutely find comfort and understanding by identifying with some or all of these terms, others may not feel like labeling themselves is useful. When it comes to these labels, I've been left with a really important lesson. Talking about all the labels that we were just talking about, Mm -hmm. something that has stuck with me so much Mm -hmm. is a conversation that you and I had 
about someone that I was going to school with and I was telling you, yeah, this person dresses like this and looks like this, but uses these pronouns and seems to be in a relationship with, with this person, but I don't really get it. Like, what is it? Like what I couldn't really put them essentially I wasn't saying this, but in my mind, I was thinking, I can't really put them in a box. Are they gay? Are they trans? Are they non-binary? Are they queer? And in what way? And who are they interested in? And how are they, how are they, like the way that they see themselves, how is that being portrayed on the outside? Because what they're dressing compared to like, if they do or don't have facial hair or how long or short their hair is, like, I was feeling I couldn't wrap my head around it. And I was asking, I was talking to you about it. And you were like, who cares? What's the, like, like, I don't like, why are you, why are you trying so hard to figure this out? Like, who cares? That actually changed so much for me because I, who really does care? Like, what is my, like, how is it my business? What this person, if they want to dress in a specific way and how I think that does or doesn't match my perceived understanding of their identity or their sexual orientation, like, Mm -hmm. why Mm -hmm. is that my business and who cares? Ultimately, regardless of how someone identifies themselves, asking for pronouns, which are the words that we often use to talk about a person when we're not using their name, like he, she, or they, is always encouraged and honestly, often really appreciated. Ask pronouns, ask for pronouns, and and then that's it. And then from there, it's like, what else? Why do you? What else do we? Why else? what other questions do you need to have and, and why are they necessary other than like, how should I refer to you? What's your name? What are your pronouns? Great. And then the rest is nobody's fucking, bi- unless, unless you're going to try to actively date this person. But even then it's like, well then, you know, if you have to ask all these questions, up front, then just to figure out <laughs> Where the, where's happening. the chemistry, where's the vibes. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like what if I don't even like you? Like not even just asking things about like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> So even then, like, why do you care? <laughs> it can be comforting to know that anyone can make a mistake when it comes to misgendering someone, using incorrect pronouns, or feeling unsure of how to address an individual. It is the vulnerability, honesty, and accountability that an individual responds to in that situation that really makes the difference. Wait, wait, can I call myself out then? Because of what you just said, which was really like, oh, fuck, right. Because I had an oopsie as an educator a few weeks ago where I, where one of the schools that I'm substituting at um, is in the hood. It's a charter school, but it's a predominantly uh, brown, low-income school. Honestly, there's like a splash of, 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 of black kids. But other than that, like predominantly brown school in the hood. And I was substituting fifth grade. and we were running through names also it's chaos so i'm trying to get through the rot like the roster trying to get like is everyone here you know name, names and things like that i was like okay cool and then um, you know and then i just write garcia on the board like i don't put a mister or a mx like i'm just putting garcia and they're like oh we get to, <laughs> which these kids are so funny they're like we get to call a teacher by our, their first oh by his first name You're like you know and then excited they were excited when they came in they were like oh we get a boy today like they were so happy because they always got like a, apparently like a woman substitute it's like and so anyway like jenna was introduced the moment these kids walked into the room which i thought that's crazy anyway so um we're going around and it's the first 10 minutes of class and i accidentally misgendered didn't know a student and it was an AFAB student. And for those that don't know, AFAB is an acronym for Assigned Female at Birth. 
And I thought this was an AFAB student, or I didn't know that this was an AFAB student, and I accidentally misgendered them. And I was like, oh, can you know, he, I said like he, him, or something. And the student was like, oh, they're like, oh, you just, you just heed me. And I was like, wait, what? And then I saw their chat. I was like, oh, I'm, and I was like, whoa, okay. I was like, my bad, friend. Uh, and then they're like, no, it's cool because their hair was also short. So they're like, no, like they were happy about the misgendering in that moment. And I was like, oh, wait. But then, like, I wasn't happy that I fully because I, my bad. Like, what if those weren't your? Pro-? So I was like, wait, friends, like, should we do pronouns? Like, do y'all want to do names and pronouns? And they're like, yeah. Some of the people, like, yeah, I want. I was like, oh, okay, shit. Okay, so we're doing this. And so we had to go through the room again. <laughs> And like do pronouns, and I wrote them on the board because obviously these silly little boys wanted to pretend they didn't know what pronouns are. I was like, "All right, friends, these are pronouns." Like she, you know, whatever. I broke it down, and then in that moment, there was also like these other, again, like AFAB students, and this one student was sitting next to his friend, and was his friend was like, "Do it, like you know, tell tell him, to, you know." And, the student was like, not the name that was on the uh, the attendance sheet. And was like, Alex, he, him. And I was like, heard Alex, he, him. Thank you so much. And went on. And and that was not the student I misgendered. It was another student. So I was like, oh, shit. Okay. And it was really nice. And then came me. And I was like, all right, well, f- friends, since we're giving pronouns, like, because I, when I'm educating or just in these new spaces, like, I don't. Even staff, like I don't care. I don't. I'm not like, oh, I'm Garcia. They them. Like, just, everyone's heeing me up and down. I'm Mr. Garcia all day long. Not <laughs> heeing me up and down. <laughs> Do you? Uh, does it feel fine to you being like he him mistered all day, or are not you disrespectful. not into it? It's not just. I mean, it feels weird, but it's not disrespectful because this is. I didn't tell you my pronouns, and sure. That's not what I'm here for. I'm not here to teach. Th- I mean, I'm here to teach here today, but not that. And But in this moment when I'm with these students and we're sharing our pronouns, I was like, all right, friends, then my pronouns are, are they, them. And one of the students, <laughs> was, the students like, those are your real pronouns? And I was like, yes. <laughs> and they're like, like out in, uh, they're like out in the world? I was like, yes, my pronouns in the real world are, are they, them. <laughs> They're like, not this man that misgendered our friend <laughs> trying to like now act like they use they them pronouns. Like. Let's shift gears to discuss Garcia's experience playing a trans man on the Netflix series Tales of a City. Okay, the thing about it, the character that I play in Tales of the City is about a year and a half, a year, year and a half on hormones. And that was almost aligned where, where I was at the time. Nine months later, here I am auditioning for a character that's like, wow, men are giving me attention. That's crazy. And I was like, holy shit, somebody wrote my life that I, this is what's going on. Anyway, I think, so I didn't have my top surgery. I play this trans man who's exploring cis gay men. And a lot of the DMs I was getting after Tales was released was, you know, people felt really seen or just like saw themselves in a way that like, oh, I can be desired by someone in this way, in a romantic way, because one of my love interests is really sweet and drops a few cute lines. And, you know, it's like, you know, it feels incredible to be desired by you, blah, blah, blah. And like Drake is, uh, Drake, wow, I'm saying <laughs> And Jake, my character, <laughs> is 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 taken aback by that you know and it's it's nice to hear and and you know it doesn't comment or say anything but you know and so there's like a a soft little scene before they like 
rendezvous and rendezvous. Like keeping it PG, but not. I don't know what I'm doing. Okay. Anyway, there's this. They. What am I saying? Anyway, so I since I don't have my surgery, it was a because there was a um an uh, there wasn't an intimacy coach provided, but there was conversations with the director and the cinema. Like there was conversations that were had with me and as well as my castmate about how do we want to have the sex scene how much nudity like there was beautiful conversation around that where everyone was comfortable and felt good um and i mean i was uh, prepared to do the whole nine yards like i was supposed i was prepared to be like ass up no clothes like but we kept it super clean and like kept my top like i had like um a tank top on and you know but i don't have top surgery and anyway so one of the main comments that i was getting in my dms after Tales was released was how they appreciated that Jake didn't have top surgery. It looked like they're like, because there was like questions with those messages like, oh, did you not have top surgery? Like, it, you know, it looks like this and on, on screen and stuff like that. And top surgery is another name for chest masculinization or feminization surgery in which multiple different surgical approaches can augment breast tissue for a more affirming. I do want to admit, like, I've never responded to a single message because DMs scared the shit out of me. And I was, and it was just like so much at the time when Tales was released. But all those messages meant a lot. And I had read every single one of them, I think. I think, I think. But either way, like, those messages pointed out, they showed me that I'm like, oh, okay, so people, I'm kind of glad in a way that they were able to see. Because if we're talking about like gender affirming care as well, like, people only some people only validate trans people if they're on hormones, if they've had a surgery, if like you have to do X, Y, Z and oh, now you're trans. No, baby. Like you could be trans no matter what, like you don't have to be on hormones. You don't have to have any kind of surgery. You don't have to have a name chain. Like none of these things have to happen to be affirmed or validated in your queerness and your transness. Um, and I think that was kind of nice. And maybe that was just the universe. Like I didn't have my top surgery and was able to play this character, this trans character as is with the body I had at the time. I'm so grateful on our first episode of the season that Garcia shared their story with. Love you. I'm proud of you. This is exciting, honestly. So I'm excited to hear Thanks. Gender-affirming care is under attack in the United States, and in the last few years, states have advanced a record number of bills that attack LGBTQ rights. When approximately 80% of the population has never met a trans person, it's unacceptable that the narrative around trans folks is shaped by media perceptions. I'm so grateful that Garcia was able to share their personal story around their experience with gender identity and so much more. You can follow Garcia at what is Garcia on Instagram. As always, a full transcription of the episode along with citations can be found on my website. All those links are available in the show notes. And you can find me everywhere at Taylor Ray Almonte. See you out there.